3: Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth.
0: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible.
2: Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Yeah. Rainy J's. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Hey there, and
0: welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am John Corrales, part of the Rain and Jays, giving Jay King the night off. Jay King is on a Ripken-like streak with podcasts. He's done like seven in a row for us. So he is in San Antonio chilling. Sam Packard is in Philadelphia getting his education on. So I am going to... Our friends, uh, a guy who's been blogging for as long as I have, longer, actually, which is a long time, mm-hmm. and Locked On Network brother from the Locked On Spurs podcast, ladies and gentlemen, it's Jeff Garcia. How you doing, Jeff?
4: I am doing good. All right, so then, Garth Vader does what?
0: Well, yeah, okay. Oh, we're not, we're not so here so to talk about we're that. We're going to go right into the Rogue yeah. One uh, podcast because that's all you and I care about talking about. And for those of you who are tuning in for a basketball podcast, you missed twelve minutes of Rogue One talk, which I have seen thanks to a media review uh, preview pass. And now I now have a a, a week head start on everybody, which is killing me. Like I love the fact that I'm one of the first people to have seen it in the United States, but. Now I can't talk about it with anybody because I'm waiting for everybody else to see it and it's killing me. So it's like what, torture. When does your embargo
4: uh, lift? Uh, Thursday at midnight
0: or Thursday at midnight? Thursday Actually, at Actually, like okay. Thursday. Thursday at like two thirty because that's when people will have seen it. Yeah, I want to. I don't want to go out and, and, and give spoilers. Like I can't oh, you talk about it openly on social media. For like a couple of weeks, like January is really when I can start talking about it. Because if you haven't seen it by January, then you shouldn't care about spoilers. So, yeah. uh, but we're oh, by to the talk way,
4: about yeah. basketball, There's Jeff. A game uh, later and on today, isn't there?
0: Our basketball podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games, not Rogue One screenings. For the games that you want to see up close and in person this season, and the game I want to see up close and in person, but I can't, is Spurs-Celtics tonight, the uh, Wednesday night game in San Antonio. The Celtics out for revenge, my friend. My revenge. Revenge of the revenge. Celtics. And I need to get that bottle of delirium back. We put a bottle of delirium. Now, it comes in that, like, big bottle. I know I said six-pack just to mess with you. But that delirium, that beer, comes in one of those big corked bottles. It's awesome.
4: So I owe you one. Yeah. Well, you're looking to get that one back, aren't you? So let's go. Are you, are you willing to do double or nothing? Let's do it. Double or nothing right
0: here. That's a stupid bet on my part because the Celtics are without Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> but It's a very easy bet for me to make, John. Yes, obviously. But that's okay because I know when I give you two bottles of delirium – I I will be consuming one of those bottles with you, so it's really a win-win situation. (laughs) I'm not just going to hand you two huge bottles of super strong, awesome beer and not partake in some of that.
4: Oh, no, and they don't call it delirium for a reason. I mean, this thing is potent.
0: Yes, that is good, good stuff. So Mm -hmm. basically, we've spent the first three minutes of this podcast talking about Star Wars and beer and not about Mm -hmm. this game. Listens are going to go through the roof now. Yes.
4: <laughs> they really, really are. They're going to say, can we get three more minutes of
0: this talk? Disney and Delirium are not sponsors of this podcast. Nope, so we're going to move on. But SeatGeek is. And, hey, look, if you download the SeatGeek app, you will find great seats for the Spurs and the Celtics. In fact, if you are in San Antonio, if you're listening – and or if you're a Boston fan that has gone down there and not gotten tickets, I actually have the app up right now. There are great tickets for sixty-eight bucks in section one twelve. It appears, which is a nice corner seat, which I really really like. Those corner seats, about halfway up. Uh, there's a seventy-one bucks for section one o eight. Which is nice, sixty-five bucks, right? So there's that's not really, bad. really
4: good seat. Those are good, good. Yeah, seats. Yeah, that's a really good seat.
0: Yeah, and look, I've used the SeatGeek app, and you can tell because all I had to do was search for the Celtics, calls it up. There are big green dots that tell me that's a great deal, and so th- I know that's a great deal because SeatGeek compares the prices by searching multiple ticket sites, and we know that they can vary from site to site. And you don't have to do all that stuff. Seek Geek does all of the searching for you. They know that you want to get the most bang for your buck. And they give the tickets a grade based on the value. And two, there, there's two really great things here. Each ticket backed by a 100% guarantee. They've got great customer service. If you are unsatisfied for every reason, call them up. They will take care of you. And my listeners get... Twenty bucks off with the promo code L O Celtics. Jeff, I know your guys. If look, if somebody doesn't want to type L O Celtics, I know L O Spurs. Yeah, L O Spurs. Yep, also works. So if you're a Spurs fan who's also listening to this and you don't feel like you want to type in the word Celtic, L O Spurs works as well. You get a twenty dollar rebate. And here's all you have to do: download the Seeky app, go to the settings tab, click Add a promo code. Enter that promo code LO Celtics or LO Spurs. You get a twenty dollar rebate. You get twenty dollars back after you've made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code LO Celtics or LO Spurs now. Do it now while you're listening. And uh, you can do two things. Phones today are advanced. You can do a lot of different things. And yeah, or John or John
4: will force choke you if you don't download. I will.
0: It. I will yeah. with my Vader force powers, which is awesome. So the Celtics are playing the Spurs and hopefully this time they will not get burned by random player of the week Davis Bertans. <laughs> you know, like it's hard enough. It's hard enough that Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi, and the Spurs are the Spurs. But when you've got Bertans going out and throwing career highs at you, then that, that's a problem. And then I'll just... Just thinking about the miscommunications on Patty Mills... Yeah. To And this is part of the Celtics' problem. Down the stretch against good teams... They did it against the Spurs, and they and they had a built-in advantage against the Spurs because it was a Friday afternoon game. It was the day after uh, Thanksgiving. And here, here come the Spurs. They're on the road uh, at uh, in an afternoon game that is built for the road team to just come in flat. And they did. The Celtics had a huge lead, and they gave it all up, and they – Collapsed down the stretch and had a missed opportunity against a really, obviously, really good team. They've collapsed against other good teams like Houston recently, like Oklahoma City recently. Uh, They just uh, can't execute down the stretch. They have these lapses. And that miscommunication against Mills is a classic example of a team that should be more well-oiled, in a defensive situation like that, they should know when they're switching. They should know when they're not switching, what the rotations are, and they miss those opportunities and they give teams chances to win. Against the, the, the Thunder, Avery Bradley on the uh, Russell Westbrook go-ahead basket mistook where he was supposed to force uh, Westbrook, forced him away from the help rather than towards the help, a silly mistake, and it cost them the game. Things like that cost them the game. So that's not something I'm looking forward to now in San Antonio, in their house, with everybody, (laughs) you know, no excuses built in. Like, this is
4: not going to be easy. You know what, John? I agree with you, and yeah, it's not going to be easy for Boston, especially without IT, Isaiah Thomas, heading into the AT&T Center. At the fact, too, that recently the Spurs, in their practice, and you were, you were talking about Patty Mills, he said that they're done playing around. Yeah. So if the Spurs are already at 19-5 and on the season, and they thought they were just playing around already, and they're ready to focus – well then, Boston might be that first uh, sacrificial lamb <laughs> thrown at at San Antonio uh, tonight, and uh, the Alamo City. But it's funny, John, you're talking about Boston and how they, you know they're giving away leads, and you know they're they're eking by teams. Uh, if you look at their home, I mean, the road record, they actually play a little better on the road than they do at home. Very eerily similar to San Antonio, who does not play well so far this season. You look at this. They are actually six and four at home, as opposed to thirteen and one on the road. So, believe it or not, I'm actually not happy that they're playing at home. You look at their points. At home, they average ninety eight points per game. While on the road, they average one hundred and seven. They know what Spurs fans know it. The NBA knows it. Something about playing at home doesn't jive with San Antonio, especially a team that won four that went forty. What 41 and one last season. now they' already dropped four. So Boston does have a chance they are playing at home uh, versus this uh, is San Antonio's home court. But I guess uh, my thing to you is how big of a hit is that Isaiah Thomas not playing? I mean that must be huge.
0: Well it's it's so funny that you you say that because there's a little bit of a I, I, I don't want to give these people on Twitter too much uh,
2: <laughs>
0: too much uh, attention. But there are people out there who sit there, and th- there's two things. The, the Celtics against the Orlando Magic, the first game that Isaiah Thomas missed, blew the doors off the Magic. Yeah. Which, that's not that's not a big accomplishment. The Magic are interesting, and they've got a good defense, but they're not great. And so, it's it's not unheard of to go out there and blow the doors off of that team. And they did. And so people were saying, "Wow, the ball's moving great without Isaiah yeah. Thomas there." And play. okay, yeah, maybe the Celtics do stand and watch a little bit. And is that Isaiah Thomas's fault? No, not necessarily. It's just uh, a thing that happens. And then when you realize, "Oh my God, this guy's not there," we got to step up our game. So whatever. So that happened. And then Marcus Smart in the first three quarters, basically of the OKC game looked fantastic as a point guard. He was in control of that game. A big departure from how he's been playing uh, off the ball, off of the bench, kind of in a very utility role Mm -hmm. as point guard, shooting guard, and small forward in a lot of times. So people sit there and say, wow, okay, Smart's really done pretty well as a point guard. And I I do like Smart as a point guard. He passes... Exceptionally well, but I think some people are overreacting. It is a tremendously huge blow when you think about blowing these late games against Houston, and, and Isaiah Thomas played in that game, but he was mm-hmm. hurt. he heard his he hurt his groin in the second quarter of that game. Losing a, a late game against Oklahoma City was a, I guess I think it's an indictment of that maybe we should look beyond Isaiah Thomas' kind of mentality. And again, mm-hmm. a vocal minority, but whatever. Isaiah Thomas, his biggest asset, his biggest ability is that fourth quarter scoring. He's mm-hmm. one of the best in the NBA in the yeah, fourth he is. scoring. When the excre- excrement hits the spinning blades, as we like to say, that he is the guy that's going to... Step up and, and make baskets. He's the guy that in the fourth quarter, when you need a bucket somehow, and when other guys are starting to kind of maybe tighten up a little bit, he's the guy that comes in. He's the the calming force. Right. He's your clutch guy. So, yeah, that's going to really hurt. That's going to really hurt. The Celtics need guys like Jalen Brown to step up in his absence, which he did against Oklahoma City for the most part. They just, and he's a rookie, but you need him to step up. So, yeah, you know, I guess from the San Antonio perspective, what I want to know is how does the team like San Antonio prepare for the lineup that is without Isaiah Thomas as opposed to the lineup with Isaiah Thomas?
4: Well, as far as the injury front is concerned, the Spurs just sent me an email saying that everybody's healthy. So they're raring to go. There's nobody, everybody's going to be suiting up tomorrow night i'm sorry tonight in san antonio here's the thing how do they prepare for this boston team without isaiah thomas they just simply play their brand of basketball i don't think there's going to be any need for an adjustment playing against a depleted boston team tonight Tony, uh, tony obviously tony parker will be playing he will get the nod and that's actually good that isaiah thomas is not there because tony parker's defense is just atrocious this season. He is the leading assist guy on the squad and I think he'll continue being that tonight against uh, the your Celtics, but I'm also looking at other players to you know at least be that force that they should be and especially at home to set the tone. The Spurs come out of the gate very very slow. They've been showing that a lot in recent games, just coming out very flat. There was actually John about four games in a row. Don't quote me on that. Above three or four games in a row, where they were down double digits and they had to make this immense dig out of a hole, ten plus points or more in recent games. So I expect the Spurs to come out a lot stronger. I don't think they need to adjust. Yes, you know you guys have Horford, who he's a force. You you know there's there's you mentioned Jalen Brown, there's Marcus Smart, but I, at the end of the day. Just on paper, I just think the Spurs team is just a little superior than your Celtics, and I think the Spurs will be just fine with whoever they trot out tonight against yeah. Boston.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're not considering where the where the Celtics are. It'd be nice. Look, I, I think San Antonio is vulnerable in a lot of ways that the Celtics are strong. We oh had yeah, this they are. The last, yes, time. they are. We had this conversation absolutely the last time where the Celtics can push the pace, they can go up tempo. They can do some things. And, look, Marcus Smart, as a point guard, like I said, I like him. He can penetrate, and he can pass. I, people see me on Twitter. Marcus Smart can pass. <laughs> and, and he will throw some dimes, man. Pocket passes like, like you wouldn't believe. That guy is an underrated passer. And I think by the end of the season, people in the NBA are going to start take, start to take notice about how well he passes. So when you look at that matchup against Tony Parker, I think that's something that can be exploited. I know it's not Isaiah Thomas, but it's different. Marcus Smart can get into the lane, get those paint touches, and pass the ball. And when the Celtics are doing that, when the ball touches the paint and the Celtics are rotating it out and getting open shots out of that, their offense looks good. And I think they can exploit that. So it's going to be interesting to see. I would not be surprised if there is some uh different kind of defensive alignment where look if I'm the Spurs I put Kawhi Leonard on Marcus Smart mm-hmm. and I put maybe Danny Green on uh on Jay Crowder and put Parker on Avery Bradley. Now Bradley still can handle the ball. Yes, he so. can. He's not as dangerous And he still can shoot, but when you're looking at kind of defensive alignments, I'm putting Kawhi on Marcus Smart because he can help off of Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's not a good shooter. So you put Danny Green up on Jay Crowder tight because Crowder can hit the three. Mm -hmm. Parker's going to need help no matter what. So if you help off of... Crowder, he's going to hit the three. Yeah. If you help off of Bradley, he's going to hit the three. If you help off of Marcus Smart, then you're you're taking a very nice calculated risk. So defensively, if the Spurs really want to match up in this scenario, you put Kawhi Leonard on Smart, and you say when the ball is in Bradley's hands, you sag off of Smart and you take away that driving lane. Yes, may, maybe Bradley can get past uh, Parker. But with Kawhi helping against that penetration, he's just going to have to swing the ball around the perimeter. And Marcus Smart is going to take the three when it's there. He is very willing to take open threes. So I would not be surprised if that's something that the Spurs do. I think that's a probably the smartest defensive adjustment that they can make. Yeah, Sag off, sag off of the worst shooter out there from deep And let Smart just be an above the break three point shooter as an opposing coach. I will take that from the corner. Marcus Smart, kitchen shoot in the corner, is a good actually, a good three point shooter. But if you sag off and help like that, then I think you take away a lot of the Celtics offense.
4: And not only that, John, you know, if I'm the opposing coach, if I'm Brad Stevens, and I'm looking at this Spurs squad at home. I'm saying, look, Celtics, my roster, my team. This team has been struggling in their home court. They are not the dominant team as they were last season. They're six and four. This is a six and four San Antonio Spurs team led by Coach Popovich at the AT&T Center. And I'm Brad Stevens. I'm looking at this game, and I'm saying, you know what, Boston, just hang in there. It, just hang in there, and. St- Get through the third. Why do I say get through the third? Because the Spurs at home are zero and three after tra- trailing after the third quarter in their home gym. They haven't won a game when they're trailing. Not only that, they're a minus one after the first quarter and they're a minus three in the fourth quarter. So if you're Boston, you're saying I got to pounce on them fast and I got to just clobber them and hit them hard in the in the fourth. And then just weather the storm in the second and third where the Spurs play Spurs basketball. So this Spurs team definitely has issues at home opening games and closing games.
0: Okay, so that's basically the game. Um, We'll see how it all pans out. Uh, A couple of things I want to get to. First Mm -hmm. of all, videos that I've seen from Gary Washburn and many others. Tim Duncan is back in the gym. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and he's, you know, look, I love that Timmy is sticking around San Antonio. I just oh, love yeah. that. You know, he can go anywhere, he can live anywhere, but he's he's staying in San Antonio. He's still around the team. So, and he's been the the footage is of him uh, against Pau Gasol. So, my question to you is, how's Pau Gasol
4: been? I'm glad you brought that up. I'm I'm still. Waiting it out. I, I don't know how to describe it, John. I would say there are days where I look at Paul Gasol and I say, I get it. He's, he's not going to be a focal point like he was in Chicago. He, it was him and Derrick Rose and it was pretty much their show. In San Antonio, he has Kawhi Leonard at his side. He has LaMarcus Aldridge at his side. He still has Mono Ginobili and Tony Parker who are going to get their touches just out of respect for these guys for what they've done. Popovich still calls plays for those two old veterans, the last two of the three big three that are remaining in San Antonio. And i say, okay, fine, maybe his numbers are down. But then the other side, I'm saying, there are times when I look at him and he's not being aggressive enough in the paint. He's getting Blown by um, uh, offensive players, but then again, I say, well, that's just Paul Gasol. That's what he has been his entire career. He's not a good defender. I'm at, I'm coming to the point now where I'm just going to have to accept for Paul for what Paul is in this system. He says the right things to the media. He says he enjoys playing in San Antonio. He says that he understands that he's not the focal point, and I like that out of a guy who's won an NBA title, who's been an All Star. Who's played with some of the great players like a Kobe Bryant in his career, but I think Powell is Powell, and I think in this Spurs system, considering the fact that he has all these stars around him or these players that are at his level or not a little bit better, that this is what you're going to get. Um, it, they do say the Spurs system takes a year to understand, LaMarcus Aldridge said it last year, and then he until he blossomed in the uh, playoffs towards the stretch run where he started being LaMarcus Aldridge. But and I'm hoping the same thing for Pau Gasol. I'm kind of reserved. I guess I'm just taking a seat and saying, okay, this is Pau. I'd rather have him on the Spurs than on a Warriors team or on an OKC team or on a Cavs team.
0: Interesting, because I I honestly haven't had a chance to watch a ton of Gasol, but it sounds about what we expected. That he's right. Uh, he's just kind of there. It's it's not Tim Duncan, and you know. You got to deal with what you got to deal with.
4: I mean, this was the best they were going to get. They they sure they were not going to get Kevin Durant. They, they they tried. They whiffed on it, but he was not coming to San Antonio during the summer. This was like almost like their plan B, and it's not a bad plan B. It's not like they got Kwame Brown. It's not like they got <laughs> you know somebody else, uh, Andrew Bynum off you know waivers. Oh man, a Kwame Brown reference. I know, but. I mean, it's Ray, still Pau Gasol. I mean, I actually am now, as I think about this and my my views on Pau, I've been thinking I would rather take regular season Pau Gasol right now and hopefully he turns it to s- – pays off in the postseason where it's the bread and butter time and he shows up with that championship experience he does have added to the championship pedigree that this franchise has. And to propel them and catapult them to challenging the Warriors in the West or, you know, putting away a feisty Houston or a Utah team in the West uh, playoff bracket, whoever they face. So I'm just going to hold out um, judgment. I'm going to reserve that till the end of the season. And I reflect back and either say, oh my God, that was a waste of money or, whoo, it was uh, rough going, but man, it sure paid off in the playoffs. Well, you you really had. Kind of little choice that
0: that was a bet the best yeah. option you could get. I mean, you lost Tim Duncan, but uh, I mean, he, he's it, irreplaceable, he's irreplaceable. So, you got Gasol, which is not great, but at this stage of his career, yeah. but considering everything, that's it's not the worst thing you could have done, like you said. No, so, I mean,
4: I mean, they, they the Spurs did address maybe not directly to Powell, but maybe indirectly. Powell's lack of defense. They did sign a Dwayne Dedman. You know, he got injured early in the season. So he's, again, he was coming along, got hit with the injury bug. Now he's back, and he's trying to get back into form, and he's been looking okay. And there are some Spurs fans that are of the mind that he should start over Powell Gasol, but that's never going to happen. I like the idea. I think he should. And I guess no knock against Powell. It's just I would love to see a defensive-minded presence in the paint like Dedman. I'll uh, playing alongside LaMarcus and Kawhi and it's just setting that tone defensively for San Antonio. When he comes in off that bench, usually when he's around eight out of ten times, the entire team is in the positive rather than the minus. So take that for what you will. And Balgasaw is usually in the minus sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Not the best defender in the world. No, so. not at all. But, you know, Uh, I guess I will return the the question to you. How has Al Horford been? How how has he been in the green and white?
0: I love Al Horford. And now that's another thing that the very vocal minority on Twitter has been kind of bugging me about. That Al Horford has had a couple of high-profile mistakes. Against Houston, he had a game-winning layup that he missed. And against Oklahoma City... He had a late game turnover that was part of the collapse, mm-hmm. and immediately I got questions about is he worth the twenty six million that he's getting paid or whatever the number is? Is he? Is he this? He's not clutch and blah blah blah. And yeah. I'm like whoa 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 whoa. First of all, he has been an absolute without even checking the stats. Obvious net positive for the Celtics. Yeah. They are very clearly above and beyond, better than a lineup that does not include him. Mm-hmm. And so I I think I off the top of my head the, the per 48 plus minus with him on the floor, it's like a plus seven ish. Mm-hmm. And without him, it's like a minus two something. Wow. So that's a basically Essentially, a double-digit difference mm-hmm. in, the, in a game, a 48-minute game with him on the floor and him not on the floor. So that is, uh, I think, very indicative of what he's done. I think Al Horford's biggest quote-unquote problem is that he is so unselfish that there are times when the Celtics do need him to be kind of a takeover guy, mm-hmm. and he still tries to facilitate. And that is, I think, the thing that fans are are most upset about, that when, whenever you pay a guy as much money as they paid Al Horford, yeah. they expect takeover guy. They expect a guy to go out there and drop – 25 to 30 points a night and 10 rebounds a night and just be dominant all the time.
4: And not to but, mention that uh, Horford was probably the biggest high-profile player the Celtics have gotten in quite some time. As far as a free agent yeah.
3: goes, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I would say he's probably their biggest free agent signing ever simply by by virtue of they never had any, any big free agent signings. Right. All of their big players came – prior to whenever free agency even existed, mm-hmm. they drafted all of their players or made trades for all of their players. In And I've said this before, and I'm not going to go harp on it. In the free agency era, this past summer is essentially the first summer where the Celtics had significant money to spend. Uh, they they had opportunities in the past to get some some potential kind of bigger mm-hmm. type of names like a David West. But this was the first time where they were in a position to really draw a free agent where they they and and they did it. So
4: the past history was just overblown in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. You know, uh and when I saw the uh, Celtics netting themselves Horford, I said, "Wow, this is exactly what this team needed." It is it's, it's you know, prior to him even joining the Boston Celtics. You were already on Twitter, social media, saying that this guy is going to be a Celtic, and sure enough, it did happen. I think he's been a fantastic piece for Boston. Pairing him up with Avery Bradley and Isaiah and and Smart and Brown, it's a good it's a good nucleus. I like what I'm seeing. Uh, it, it, to me, though, I still see work in progress. Though, sure, okay. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Of course it's a work in progress. No one ever expected them to be a finished product this year. Look, and the thing about Horford is, with Isaiah Thomas gone, you can still survive by running your offense through Horford. You put him in the high post, you run some action, get him an isolation in the high post, and he can make passes, he can make plays, he can go off the dribble, he can hit threes. He's hitting threes really well this year. So he's done a lot um, and I think that any – of course he's made mistakes. Every player is going to make mistakes. He's still – he's not a superstar player. He's a star player. He's not LeBron or um, Durant or any mm-hmm. of those guys. No, no one ever said that he was. He's a star player, though, He and, and the Celtics still have to get that next level guy. But – I'm perfectly I'm perfectly happy with Al Horford. I love Al Horford. Yeah, and That I,
4: brings us to uh unless you had a point to make. Well, just actually two points. You're talking about Al Horford's three-point shooting versus Oklahoma. He went 3 for 8 from deep. So, uh not bad for a center uh which in this uh league and you know, I want to circle back to Paul Gasol and uh, Dwayne Denman and how he's fitting in. If you look at at least through 29 games, I'm sorry, 23 games played uh pal is actually a, a 0.2 net positive for san antonio 0.2 Dwayne deadman is a net positive of five <laughs> and De lamarcus aldridge is a net positive of 2.1 so i would love to see that deadman aldridge pairing but uh, i don't know yes everybody can say popovich is the coach to be able to tell an all-star player like pal take a seat you know this is for the betterment of the team, but I don't think they're going to do that, especially with the amount of money they threw at him and maybe some of the promises they gave him to entice him to come to San Antonio. So maybe uh, something will shake out, but as of right now, it looks like uh, Powell will be the starting center at least for some yeah. time.
0: Yeah. So this brings us: we we talk about Al Horford, we talk about uh, Tim Duncan, the guy that Powell Gasol replaced. Jay King in San Antonio had a conversation with Al Horford, which was nice. It was a little five-minute conversation that he wrote a piece. If you go to MassLive.com, if you haven't seen him on Twitter and you haven't seen him uh, publicizing this, if you haven't gone to MassLive.com, go to the Celtics section of MassLive.com. You can read his piece. But we will share with you now the five-minute conversation Jay and Al Horford had, a little one-on-one situation where Al Horford was talking specifically about his admiration for Tim Duncan.
2: So you, you said before that Tim Duncan's one of the guys you respected as much as anybody when you yeah. was growing up. But what about him kind of struck you? you know, what made him one of your favorite players?
1: Um, I just think just his, uh, his approach uh, to, to every game. Um, you know, very uh, professional and uh, and just his his way to, to dominate a basketball game. Even at the end of his career where he wasn't at his best, I felt like he still was able to dominate a game, not necessarily scoring or rebounding, but just with his presence, his defense, his length. Yeah, now I guess when, when did you start becoming a big fan of his? Always. Uh, I mean, I, since he came out of... You know, Wake Forest, uh, you know, I was really young. I was about 10 or 11 years old. But uh, I just – I didn't follow him in college much, but just from his rookie year on, like, I just you know, saw him and David Robinson, you know, two guys that I have a lot of respect for. And I just started following him since. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, definitely weird playing him, you know, over a number of years in the NBA. Um, I I didn't think he was going to last that long, but I just – Credits to him and how he took care of his
2: body. Some guys say that, like he, when the first time the player, he played, he would like give them instructions or he wouldn't say anything. Was there a story that you can remember from the first time playing him? Um, I think he just one of the things that he just
1: complimented me on, you know, what what I did at Florida. Um, uh, the first time that I met him, and I just that just meant a lot to me, um, you know, and. Uh, uh, besides that, that was about it. You know, we you know we got after it pretty good.
2: Yeah. Did you did you approach him or anything? You tell him you were a big fan? Anything?
1: Like no, that? I I don't like to do that just yeah. because you know as a rookie you know you kind of you know you kind of have to stay in your place and you don't want to show weakness or anything like that. But um uh but, but yeah, I mean there was
2: always that respect for him. You had that dunk on him. I forget what year it was. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction to that?
1: Yeah, I mean it was uh uh you know it, it was uh, it was a heck of a game and and it was just one of those plays that he was trying to do the the right that, that's what I mean by he was trying to do the right thing defensively and it, it was like he kind of didn't have a shot of getting there but he just did it because it was the right thing and he just kind of got caught up there and I um you know I don't want to make a big fuss out of it but everybody got really excited about it my teammates everybody was screaming I, I try to keep it in and You know, that's just how much respect I have for him. (laughs) I don't want to like you know make a scene out of it, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it's a good play. Yeah, some some people
2: kind of compare you to him a little bit in the way you impact all those subtle areas of the game. Uh, What about him? How much of watching him did that shape your game? I guess. Did did you study a lot of his tape too?
1: Yeah, I mean he's just such a special player. I mean it's you know I feel. You know, I don't know how to feel about me being compared to him he's 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 so great but uh, my whole thing is just uh, I really just try to learn from him uh, just defensively his presence on the defensive end and and really how you know he's all about the team uh, I, I wouldn't say I watch I watched him play it's not like I studied his film but I watched him play a lot and and just one of the things that I saw from him just A guy just so unselfish, so about the team, and uh, and not caring about getting all the individual attention. So uh, those were traits that I just kind of saw, and um, and I related myself to to that uh, from his game. And I just you know, um, and and I know that he did it that
2: way, and that's the way that I try to carry myself. Obviously, everybody notices the unselfishness offensively, the passing and all that. But I think there was an unselfishness to his defense too. Like he didn't always go for blocks. What about? That part of his game was kind of
1: Yeah, just discipline. You yeah. know, he's on set, but he's disciplined. And um, and it's uh, uh, one of those guys that, you know, was sacrificing uh, rebounds, which it's kind of what what happens with me nowadays. Like, you know, for me trying to hold, you know, back somebody out, I may be getting away from, you know, rebounds that I would normally get, but, I, you know, somebody else is coming in and getting them because I understand that it's more than just me. Like, yeah. you know, like there's some nights that will require for me to – go out there and just get those but for for the most part I have to you know make sure that I'm holding the other guy from getting the rebound and somebody else to get it so that's some of the things that he started to do towards the end of his career um, that I felt that just kept San Antonio
2: at that elite level now you you posted on Instagram I think when he retired did you reach out to him have a conversation with him after?
1: no no I didn't I mean you know I you know uh, I'm sure that it was for him, you know, it was just a time for him yeah. to kind of get away from everything. So I'm kind of respecting his space. If I get an opportunity, you know, within the next yeah. year here to reach out, I would love to I, – I will try to actually reach out to him and yeah. just talk to him, pick his brain a little bit because, you know, he's somebody that I have a lot of respect for. Did you ever have a relationship with him at all? Or
2: was it just not, kind of – Not,
1: not really. You know, no, just from afar. Um, you know, just uh, – uh, you know, a lot of respect from him, and you know, obviously Coach Bud being in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, you know, I got to talk to him a lot about him. So, um, but just from
2: afar. What were the things he said about them?
1: Um, just, uh, just one of those guys that that what you see is what you get from him. You know, on the court, leader, not drawing attention, um, goes about his work, cares about his teammates. Um, but it's it's always good to hear it from somebody that's been on the inside because sometimes. The perception is not always yeah. what, the, what the reality is. You know, he might be doing that, and then in the back he's complaining about <laughs> not scoring or not getting touches. And uh, and that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. So. All
2: right, thanks. Hi, I'm Paul. Verizon has been placing giant letters all over the country to get people to buy into their unlimited plan. Don't get hooked. Switch to Sprint Unlimited 22.50 per month per line for four lines and get the fifth line free. Head to your local Sprint store. Visit sprint.com/unlimited or call 1-800-Sprint1 today.
3: Savings until 10:31 dollars Then $38 per line per month for five lines without a pay. Excludes taxes, surcharges, roaming, streams, adult, HD, 1080p, music to 1.5 megabits per second, gaming update, megabits per second. Subject to credit. $30 activation fee per bit network use. and data prioritization. apply. Compared to Verizon Beyond Unlimited, carry features, different coverage and offer not everywhere. Restrictions apply.
0: Okay, so, Jeff, I mean, Tim Duncan's your guy. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's your Larry Bird. He's your <laughs> – that's, that's your dude. So when you hear about a guy like Al Horford, look, Al is talking about he, he dunked – he had this nasty dunk all over Tim Duncan, and his, his thought was, oh, my God, don't embarrass Tim Duncan. <laughs> like, he, he talks about Tim uh, dominating just with his presence – even up until the day he retired, he talks about learning from Tim Duncan and, and his team-first attitude mm-hmm. and, and sacrificing his own statistics where he could go get more rebounds, but boxing out is more important if someone else can grab the rebound, knowing that you prevented someone from getting it. That team-first attitude, he really seems to have a very – not even very strong – the strongest respect – For Tim Duncan. So when you hear about a guy as good as Al Horford talking
4: about Tim Duncan, I mean, how does that make you as a Spurs fan feel? Oh, it just makes me elated to know that I had a chance to cover him in person, talk to him in person, and then be as a fan of taking away my media hat, just saying that I was able to see that class personified on and off the court. And that that amazing uh, thing that he just brought out, not only of, his own teammates, but other teammates. You've heard the stories. you read the stories. Ex-players saying that when I was on the block, Tim Duncan was teaching me and how to beat him. (laughs) Who does that? Who does that? What player is going to give the secret to how to take you on, and you're Tim Duncan, a Hall of Fame-bound player, to say, hey, John Corrales, next time you come down, body me up, okay? Take away my lane and my arms and then go up for a layup. And then it works. And then he just smiles at you like, See, I told who you. He, yeah. Where that, was that video? I remember seeing that video. Who was he talking to
0: about get into my body a little bit more next time? Do you know that video that I'm talking about? Yeah.
4: Um, I forget the player. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the player. I just. I just know he wrote about it. Um, yeah. That was. I forget who
0: it was. That's an amazing story where he, the guy made a great move, mm-hmm. and Duncan was like. Next time, get more into my body yeah. so you can do blah, blah, blah. And that's like, dude, you're in the middle of a game. Yeah. Uh, which tells me two things. One, that Tim Duncan is awesome and he's helping other guys out. Yeah. Two, that Tim Duncan is so goddamn good that it didn't matter what this guy did. Tim was still going to stop it. He was still he was teaching the guy. When you teach somebody tricks to say, here, here's how you can try to beat me. Mm-hmm. You know that Tim knows other things but like yeah, sucker, I still got other tricks up my sleeve. Oh, but yeah. It's still amazing. It's still amazing.
4: Yeah. And, and, and to hear Al Horford speak the way he did about number 21, whose jersey is going to go up in the rafters later on this week, actually Sunday. But um, there's a thing, though, is this. If you ever, and I had the opportunity to listen, just, just even listening to Tim Duncan interact with other teammates on the court when I was covering the team, it's just you hear him. He doesn't talk about basketball. He would just talk about whatever. He would say, "Hey, Corrales, how was that term paper you were working on?" Or, "Hey, how was <laughs> how was that?" And you're there like, "Huh?" The probably other players like that. What's he's weird or something like that. But I I, I I I like the fact that he's staying around town. He's not leaving San Antonio. He's still, he's still going to be a presence uh, with the Spurs. You know, he has a thriving uh, auto body shop uh, business in San Antonio. He's a big uh, gearhead. He loves cars. So it's good to know, know that. But, wow, I mean, when I hear Horford – I, I like Horford's soundbite when he says – they asked about comparison. He's like, dude, let's not even go there. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. Let's pump the brakes. Yeah, he's like, no, no, no. no I'm not going to even go there. Tim Duncan is unique. There will be a ne- there will never be another Tim Duncan. yes people say, well, cat in Minnesota, you know, he's probably the next TD. No, he's not, he's not. There's, there's Tim Duncan was just something. He was just otherworldly on and off that court. He, he really was. He just, I, I, I would go to practices and see him interact with the players and his arm would be draped around a player, a young player, especially learning the system. And even in timeouts, when they were Spurs were down and they're playing like you know what, he would get frustrated, but he wasn't a yeller. He never slammed on this, uh, the uh, chalk, the chalk, the sorry, the grease board, the clipboard. He never threw towels at opposing uh, uh, teammate. I mean, other teammates. He didn't get in. He did he vo- voice himself? Yes, he did. But it was that kind of quiet storm. You knew it just by looking at his eyes. Like He's mad, but he's not going to blow up. He's going to remain cool, get his point across, give directions. Let's go back out there and play. And then it, it was over. That moment was done. It wasn't lingering. So, yeah. Wow. Just I can only imagine, John, what it would have been like just to play alongside him.
0: Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish I had that chance. But, you know, I my favorite thing that he said – was at the end where he said, "You know, having played for Coach Bud in Atlanta, and obviously Bunholz are coming over mm-hmm. from San Antonio." The stories were that that it's real. It's like Han Solo in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where he says it's real. Yeah, all of all it. of it. Yeah, and so yeah, it's that's yeah. the legends of Tim Duncan are all true. That he's he is Luke Skywalker. And after everything, mm-hmm. when you look back on it and you hear the stories of Tim Duncan, that's, that's true. I mean, look, Tim Duncan transformed the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, he did. He transformed – he immediately, immediately turned them into a, a dynasty. Immediately. So uh, I loved hearing Al Horford, a, a player as, who is as good as he is, understanding his place in the game and understanding the enormity of the comparison and and all of that stuff. So that was good to hear. Thank you, Jay, for sending that along. Yeah, thanks,
4: Jay. That was really, really nice.
0: And so I think that's a good place to end the show. That I, And I think Tim Duncan is one of those guys that even Celtics fans can really appreciate, and, and he's one of those other players that you can say he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I know that we don't like Kobe, and we don't like... LeBron and now we don't like Kevin Durant I guess but Tim Duncan is one of those legends Pantheon level legends who we can sit there and say you know what I really enjoyed watching him play from top to bottom that he's just one of the greats without question without tarnish and just amazing yeah so and and I feel like that with with the San Antonio Spurs I feel like the Spurs and the Celtics have a connection that to me I I love the Spurs like I I just I do I love the San Antonio yeah. Spurs. If the Celtics didn't exist, I would absolutely be a Spurs fan because yeah. the culture is the same, the feelings are the same. Uh, you know, their history is different because of the ABA connections, but it's so similar. And especially with Popovich and Duncan, it's kind of sort of the Red Larry Bird thing. Yeah, it is, and and look, Pop is a guy. I hold Red in the highest regard. I name my goddamn site after the guy. <laughs> but you know, Pop is one of those guys who's like, "There's never going to be another Red," but Pop's pretty damn close. Like Pop yeah. is the same type of attitude, that same level of like, he's really smart, and he knows he's smart, but he doesn't he doesn't take himself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Like so, I love Pop in that same way. I love the Spurs in that same way. And yeah. it's just, that's the one team in the NBA where I can just look at and be like, that is – if I have a second favorite team in the NBA, it's absolutely the Spurs. I I, yeah. I always so root they're... for them. Yeah. It's, and it's... look
2: – I'm sorry. On top ahead. of
0: everything – I'm sorry. I, I will say this. On top of everything, on a personal level, from Emerson College, I know that a couple of the guys that that graduated from the Emerson College men's basketball program and Sam Presti and Rob Hennigan – Spurs products. They Mm -hmm. are from that family tree. And so I have, on top of everything, uh, a special affinity for the Spurs and for R.C. Buford and for Pop to take guys like that out of a program like Emerson College, which is a 3,000-student communications and performing arts school with absolutely no athletic reputation whatsoever until, you know, just like 10 – like twenty years ago, to take them and 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 see this level of promise in those guys who are really smart, uh, I, I I hold a special affinity for the Spurs for that. It just shows the the quality of people who
4: are running that franchise. Oh yes, and you know, look, you, you look at I look and look at the flip side. I look at Boston, and I say, you know, had you know, you rewind time and maybe. Celtics do net that number one pick that year I mean I think he would have just brought Tim Duncan that has brought that much glory uh to the green and white Ugh. yeah it would have been just ins- it would have been sick you know
0: don't tease me I know and and, and
4: <laughs> but it was
0: funny you're ma- losing myself everything's falling oh, out of my hands <laughs> now you're like oh, just... <laughs>
4: that, you're like curse you ping pong ball uh, but uh. but if you look at um the Spurs uh, Celtics, you know, there was a year where the Celtics and the Spurs were almost good. They were going to collide in the NBA finals. And I would have been like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> do I hate Boston now? Or yeah. do I just che- do I put on my green jersey if they win the title over the Spurs? And, uh, yeah. you know, can can we share? Can they share the title? <laughs> and just be like, nah, no, it's OK. No, we, we got it. We just put our name half for you, half for me. There you but, go. Uh but it's it, it's it's been a good uh run for San Antonio. Hopefully this new uh, you know uh, generation of Spurs uh remain uh classy on and off the court and they bring that glory to San Antonio. Uh continue bringing it in a Kawhi, you know, perfect what a I couldn't think of a better player to take the mantle from TD. Yep. You know, perfect. He's a perfect personality. It, or, yeah or lack of.
0: <laughs> yeah, right exactly. Uh, it's low key. It's low key. I see those H E B ads. It's a low key fun personality. Uh, I, I, so, by the, way, and, and by the way, if Celtics fans, if
4: you haven't Googled those H E B ads, they're always funny. Yeah. They're great. By the way, what that you just said something a little while ago I didn't know about. So, when did Celtics fans, or at least Celtics fan base, started disliking KD? Oh, because he went to
0: the to the uh, Warriors. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because he was supposedly, like, considering the Celtics, but then he went to the Warriors, and people just hate the fact. It's it's the same reason everybody hates KD now. Oh. If you do hate KD, it's that he went and joined the super team. So, yeah, that's all it is.
4: Oh, okay. I thought maybe it was something deeper, like maybe there was rumors he gave a verbal commitment to Boston that summer. No, 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 no. People, I think we were all hopeful,
0: but the if if it went any other way, if he joined any other team, I think people would be fine with it. But the fact that he went to Golden State just kind of turned public opinion.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the Golden State Warriors are now uh, enemy number one now for a lot of people.
0: Everybody, for everybody, for everybody. So, all right. This is a good place to end the show. We've had our little love fest. Celtics, Spurs, Wednesday night, 930 game. We'll hate each other for about two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Sort of, sort of. And then yeah. I'll come over to your place and, and we'll drink bottles of delirium no matter what,
2: yeah, however yeah, it goes.
4: Well, and then, then, going and, and then you get wrecked and you just spill the beans about a rogue one to me. And then Darth Vader is his father. What? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: all right. Let's end it there. Before I go, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Geek. Make sure you download the SeatGeek app. Enter the promo code LO Celtics or LO Spurs to get twenty dollars back after your first ticket purchase. Uh, and subscribe to us if you are not a subscriber. Search for us on any place you get your uh, podcasts: Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. Obviously, search for Locked On Spurs with Jeff, my friend here, Jeff Garcia, one of my best friends around. Does a great show on the Spurs. If you want to keep up with them. Uh, like I said, they're a great team to follow. You never know what's going to happen, and hopefully they can challenge in the West. So s- subscribe to Locked On Spurs, uh, Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy. We've got a lot of great shows on the network. we got every team represented. You, so check everyone out. Subscribe. Rate us all five stars because I think we all deserve five stars. Our podcasts end up really well, uh, coming out really well. That will do it for us here on this show before we go, I'm going to leave you with some of the audio with me <laughs> and Rich Kimball. I'm not leaving you. No, I'm not giving you <laughs> the 20 minutes that we recorded prior to the show oh, yeah. on Rogue One. You're going to be like, I'm- unsubscribe, unsubscribe.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is me with Rich Kimball on the Pulse, Main AM 620 in Bangor. Earlier on uh, Tuesday, talking Celtics, talking about uh, Marcus Smart and... and Isaiah Thomas and a bunch of other things concerning the Celtics. So we've gone a long time in this show, but there's still more to go if you want to listen to it. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.
3: Coming up next on Downtown, well it's Tuesday and that can only mean one thing, it's our chance to talk Celtics as we're joined on the GNM Family Market phone line by our friend John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and the Locked on Celtics podcast. John, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Well good, but let's before we get to the Celtics, let's talk about the really important stuff. How was Rogue One?
5: I really liked it I really liked it Let me get into specific detail for everybody (laughs) Uh, I I rather enjoy it. but I'm such a Star Wars nerd that I just go in and get so childlike with it and enjoy everything and then I have to see it like two or three more times to, to figure out if there are some things that don't fit well with me. But I I think it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun.
3: Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm with you. I'm pretty much in the bag for those movies, so I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy it.
5: Yeah, I'm lucky that I got a little bit of an advanced screening, but now I have to, like, keep quiet for a week before everybody (laughs) sees it. (laughs) All
3: right, well, let's move on to the Celtics. 13-11, and am I wrong to be disappointed in the way this team has gone so far?
5: Can we go back to talking about Star Wars? <laughs> um, uh, these, these guys are uh, figuring themselves out. And, and unfortunately for the Celtics, they, they can't stay healthy long enough to, to really kind of see how certain things are working. So as soon as everybody comes together, Isaiah Thomas goes down with a groin pole, which luckily is, is getting better, but that's still going to cost him the Spurs game and maybe one more. So, disappointed, yes, the, the Rockets' loss was tough. The Thunder loss was tough. But they played really, really well in, in for a long stretches in those games. And they played better in those games than they did in some of the other games earlier this season that they won. So, Brad Stevens was pretty optimistic today in looking forward and seeing the signs of progress. I join him in his optimism, as I typically do, but – I do think that there is some concern, at least with some of the things that we were thinking might work, and it, it's turning out that some of these lineups that we thought might be pretty good aren't going to really work out, and that that means you, Stevens, has some adjustments to make.
3: Who, uh, who out there on that Celtics team, among the healthy guys at least, who's got to step up and play better?
5: Well, I mean, it has to be kind of a joint thing. Everybody has to step up and play better. Because the Celtics, without any of their key guys, without Isaiah Thomas or when Crowder goes down or anybody, the only way that they play well is when they play well together. That means forcing turnovers, getting out in transition, passing, moving, all of that stuff. So to suggest one guy needs to step up means that that person's going to try to do a lot of individual stuff. So you can say Al Horford needs to step up. Yes, Al Horford. For anybody who's listening and screaming at the radio, saying "Say hey Al Horford," <laughs> yeah, Al Horford needs to take more than seven shots, or he needs to take you know he, a bigger role in the offense in, in terms of scoring uh, more baskets. So he had 19 points the other night, but he he should have more. Okay, yeah, fine, but he also has to be a part of the offense, and he has to be a facilitator, especially without Isaiah Thomas. Because they have to run the offense through him in the high post. You can give it to him, and he can make passes. He can make other guys better. So he's being asked to do a lot. And so everybody has to move. Everybody has to take an active role in the offense. Everybody has to take an active role in the defense because the Celtics run into their problems. They run into their uh, collapses when things stop moving, when they start playing too individual uh, a style of basketball. So I I won't say one guy needs to step up, because they all do.
3: After what we've seen in the last week, is Isaiah the guy? Is he the one guy that they really can't afford to be without for any length of time?
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see that they can manage without him in some ways, but obviously in the fourth quarter, he's, he's the guy that can take over. He has that extra gear. So... Marcus Smart did a great job running the offense and facilitating, but he's still not there developmentally to adjust his game in the fourth quarter when a team adjusts to what he's doing. So through three quarters against the Thunder, he was doing a great job. And then in the fourth quarter, they start to realize that if they took away the passing lanes when he drove, he wasn't going to be looking for his shot. And that kind of changed the dynamic. And he's not good enough yet in that vein to say, oh, all right, I'm going to do this then. And that's just a developmental thing. Isaiah Thomas is good enough to adjust his style. Is he going to take more jumpers? Is he going to drive? He might spend three quarters of a game setting a defense up. So in the fourth quarter, when they expect him to dig, he's that. And he's just got that explosiveness and that crappiness that – when the game is on the line, he's the guy that takes over. He's one of the best fourth quarter scorers for a reason. So I'm hoping that without him, guys are learning how to play in these situations. So they don't just stand and watch him in fourth quarters, because that can run into some, some uh, problems too. So they need to combine the good ball movement and combine Isaiah Thomas's heroics. So instead of, winning close games in the fourth quarter, they could be winning going away in the fourth quarter.
3: We're talking Celtics with John Corrales here on downtown. Can we blame the injuries for the defense not being what it was for much of last season?
5: Uh, In some respects, they also, they did lose key elements. The loss of Evan Turner is a big deal in that he, and I obviously was one of his biggest critics early last season, but what you see now that he's gone is defensively he has that size that really came in handy, and Jalen Brown's not ready yet. I mean, it's only been a couple months of NBA life for him, so he might be ready somewhere down the road, but he's not ready yet to take that role. So what you see is the Celtics are closing with these lineups with Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart out in the perimeter, Jay Crowder, and Al Horford. That's fine, except... Marcus Smart ends up playing a lot of small forwards. That leads to mismatches. That leads to size problems. That lineup is very small. That lineup is getting crushed on the boards. And so with Evan Turner, who's bigger and could guard and who could switch, a lot of those things, those stops that they were getting last year, aren't happening. And a lot of those stops are just miss shots getting the defensive rebound. That's when they get out and they run. It's not all just steals, not all turnovers. So we can blame the injuries on some of it because you haven't had Crowder and Smart miss a bunch of time, but there's also a personnel thing where they're running out a lot smaller uh, lineups, and that's causing some problems.
3: So uh, what do they have to do tomorrow night against San Antonio?
5: Well, (laughs) (laughs) hope hope and pray might be the, the first step Uh, use the force to go back to our Star Wars discussion and hope that there's a Jedi mind trick in there that can force uh, Popovich to sit Kawhi Leonard down for a little bit. But in all honesty, this is the opportunity to kind of band together, get out and run, 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 and even off of makes. if, If they hit a jumper, get that ball out of the bottom of the net, and get out and run and force the pace, force that tempo, keep on moving. Again, that's where they are their best. So they're not going to face San Antonio's half-court defense and succeed. They need to get out there and run and force Pau Gasol to get up and down the floor, force Lamarcus Aldridge to run up and down the floor, and just take 110 shots in this game and not take 75 or 80. They're going to really up the pace to have a chance and maybe if they can get into a little track meet they can take enough shots where they might be able to outscore san antonio but it's it's a, kind of a long shot
3: marcus i'm your father <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> it's the best I, I
5: don't know if popovich is the emperor or if he's obi-wan or whatever he is but The Force is strong with
3: that one. Yeah, there's no question about that. I love it. Hey, uh, John, thanks as always. Great talking both Celtics and movies with you. We'll do it again next week. Yeah, all right, man. Thanks. Thanks,